Hi, I'm Katie, and this is Monumental, a small show about the big things God does in the lives of ordinary people. Today, my friend Katie Crum joins me as co-host. You might remember Katie from season two when we interviewed her and her mom, Valerie Killingsworth, on our mom's battle with cancer. Well, today, Katie and I get to interview one of our pastor's wives, Amy Moyer. Amy is going to share how God has been at work in her life in putting to death selfishness and wanting things her way. Even though I grew up in a Christian home, I didn't know what it looked like to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And we were involved in church, and I would always tell my friends about Jesus. You know, I went to public school, and that was something that I felt compelled to do. But like how it affected my sin and just my interactions with the people closest to you that you are most comfortable with, letting them feel your wrath. <laughs> yeah, I um, it didn't it just didn't understand how that was supposed to. Um, affect that yeah yeah the way i grew up too was that that was kind of christian work was sharing the gospel that way yeah and so as i read the bible that's what i thought like if you go into all the world being a good christian was sharing the gospel or Mm -hmm. being a missionary right volunteering those Mm -hmm. kind of things it just kind of overlooked the whole mundane the daily daily (laughs) how hard that is to just submit to the gospel in your own life right so submit right was submit in any way was not in my vocabulary. right yeah so the way you thought of christianity growing up was big actions basically yeah and obviously like the golden rule and like mm-hmm. you know being considerate of others and mm-hmm. treating them the way you want to be treated like that was still um a theme in our home my parents you know didn't just let us rule the roost but you just go to church and you go on missions trips and you tell people about Jesus and you talk to your friends about it and um, I was just gonna say also that just my childhood was very happy we had good friends and I have lots of good memories and I just you know I don't have any anything to point to you know that like this set me off on a bad track or that there was just any bad memories from my childhood I just had Mm -hmm. I was very blessed with that so you weren't outrightly rebellious growing up or anything no, like that. It no. was just sort of this attitude of, I want my way. Right. And so I remember reaching a point in my childhood that I said to my mom, you know, you're not always right. Mm. <laughs> and she was like, you know, she didn't appreciate that <laughs> at all. So part of what may or may not play into it is just that we lived close to Philadelphia And the regional differences in personalities are pretty noticeable, you know, with certain people, I think. And we definitely have that stubborn, like, Philadelphia attitude. (laughs) We're not, so we were from a small town about an hour outside of Philadelphia, not actually within the city, but just, I think that whole area, the East Coast, is just very, you know, self serving and kind of. abrasive or something (laughs) (laughs) so philip and i grew up in the same church and we met at a summer camp that our church put on every summer and he was two years older than me so we weren't in the same grade and he graduated two years before me but we became friends through high school we started dating as much as you can when you don't drive and we're just kind of saw each other at school and youth group and church and i wasn't supposed to date and i was a little bit rebellious about that because I thought I could have my way and wasn't a big deal. 
we were serious, you know, by the end, by the time he graduated, we knew that we wanted to continue, you know, like pursuing a relationship and marriage. And so we both chose colleges that were about an hour from where we live. We ended up planning our wedding for right after we graduated. So you're, what you're describing about yourself was sort of a, I want my way kind of approach to life. Um, how did that impact your relationship once you got closer to getting married and going into marriage? I think um, Phil was just, he was kind of more of a peacekeeper, like with me, that he was happy to just most of the time kind of do what it took to make me happy because I was really emotional and I would I would manipulate him. You know, not that I was conscious of it, but I knew that if I got emotional then mm. I would usually get my way with my parents you know when talk. I wanted to go out with friends or something and they didn't want me to and it was just kind of what I did so he has told me that the week or two before the wedding was the only time that he ever had doubts about marrying me mm. and the day of the wedding rehearsal I whatever set me off I was just a wreck. I wasn't I wasn't having second thoughts. I was just an emotional wreck. And so I was wasn't ready and then I was late and I just you know, it just kind of snowballs like your yeah. emotion just yep. and then I kind of get paralyzed and like shut down and mm-hmm. then just cry and anyway, I was 45 minutes late for our wedding rehearsal and everybody is like sitting around waiting for me and so you get there and then you feel bad. Yeah, I'm but. mad. I am mad at myself. And just like, I can't just go in and be normal. You know, everyone is kind of on on edge. Like, okay, <laughs> when's she gonna like relax and be normal yeah. here? And, well, because then you came in and you were mad. Right, <laughs> right. I was mad yeah. and at myself and yeah. everyone. And yeah. so. So then how did marriage look for you after? What were things like for you guys? We were both working full time at that point. And I had gone to college to be a veterinary technician. And so I loved my job and I was really excited about gaining skills in that. And I was gaining um, a reputation in my workplace and kind of just growing in that and getting really excited about that. And we we fought quite a bit. Um, we were really good friends. And so that helped us, you know, like we knew how to get along and be friends. But mm-hmm. when something didn't go the way I wanted it to then everybody was gonna be upset about everybody was gonna feel it you know Mm -hmm. um we fought about everything I mean all kinds of ridiculous things I should say so like what the neighbors were doing that annoyed me and things about the house that we bought and like what the dog chewed up or the time that she jumped over the fence and our dog jumped over the fence and ran away and everything that upset me was Phil's fault. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I would, I mean, I would be mad for days Mm -hmm. about it, which Mm -hmm. is so pathetic, you know, to think (laughs) about. I was so, so selfish Mm -hmm. and not having had a good understanding of what biblical marriage is supposed to look like and just considering, you know, your spouse as your closest neighbor and the person that you are supposed to love, you know, more than yourself. It just didn't translate <laughs> into yeah. my heart and how I how I acted mm. when I was upset when I when I you know was stressed that analogy about the cup you know whatever you fill your cup with 
when you get bumped is going to come out, you know? Mm, yeah. And um, later on, I was going to mention about that, the Bible verse about from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, you know, I just, my heart was yeah. not full of God. It was, yep. it was not full of loving anyone but myself. I think when mm-hmm. I was a child, I do think that I was a Christian. When I was younger, I, I w- remember being convicted about something with my brother and like, realizing like I need Jesus you know and Mm -hmm. like having this emotional moment (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I I do think was my initial coming to faith an awareness that you were yeah yeah yeah. but um we didn't have teaching that helped us understand our sin and what to do with it Mm -hmm. and so that's where we just followed you know what felt normal what felt appropriate <laughs> found someone and else to blame <laughs> yeah our yeah our selfish yeah. nature just mm-hmm. you know took over Find and followed what to... we saw you know the world doing and yeah everybody yeah. else did so christianity at this point in your life looked more like going to church you know we had the assurance that we trusted jesus mm-hmm. and we would go to heaven when we died yeah that was you know that's the big thing yeah okay <laughs> that's the most important thing right <laughs> and so that was yeah, that was about it. So then, how did God start doing work in your life to show you more just day to day Christian living? Like, how what does it look like to be a Christian in the everyday in all of the the nitty gritties of life? <laughs> right. So we um, we were working and just kind of doing like the doing the early married thing, and then Phil decided to get a master's. And so I was working while he was in school and he did like have assistantships that paid him and stuff, but I was the breadwinner primarily Mm -hmm. for a little while. And so that was fine because he was good at what he was studying. He was studying choral conducting and he was just doing great and excelling with that. And um, we just expected that he'd end up eventually getting a great job. And I, I did always have the goal when we had children to stay home with them and be a stay at home mom and let him then Mm -hmm. take over with the breadwinning. But so he went on to want to do a doctorate after he finished with his master's and he applied to a handful of really good schools and a couple of them were on the East coast. And I was like, we're not going to have to go far from our families. There's no reason he wouldn't get in at any of the other schools or any of those schools. And he also applied to Indiana and somewhere farther away. And I'm pretty sure I said, we are not going to Indiana. <laughs> there was just no reason in my mind that we would end up in Indiana. And what do you know, he didn't get into those schools on the East Coast. And we were, everybody was floored. His professors were just like flabbergasted and were like, what is this? <laughs> what is this about? <laughs> so once I realized, you know, that was, that was what, God, and we did, we did realize that God was planning this for us. And we knew like, we're in this together and God has a plan and we're going to, you know, we're going to go on this adventure together. Mm -hmm. And so we came out here and so you were um, disappointed, but you're also like, okay, well, this is clearly how. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was for school. And so in your mind, were you thinking, okay, it'll just be a short term? Yes. The plan was. My plan, (laughs) my plan was that we would be here for three years for him to get his program done, and then he would find his dream job, and we'd move back east where we could 
be closer to our families and then yeah. start a family. Okay. And I also had advanced in my career and was thinking about, you know, further credentials for myself and getting more licensing. And okay. I was excited about new prospects out here to, you know, advance my own career because I knew I was going to be working more while he was in school. So you knew when you had kids, you wanted to be stay at home mom, but here you also had some future career plans for yourself. So were you thinking we're not going to have kids for a while? Right? Yeah, I definitely didn't want to work and have children at the same time. I always wanted to be a mom. My mom was a stay at home mom. And I just thought that was that was the way to raise kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but we also were never really around p- children that were pleasant to be around. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so we, you, you know, really... we weren't like motivated to start before we were ready and yeah. before things were in order the way we thought they should be. And so we just, <laughs> I was happy. I was per- perfectly content to put off having children until until he was done. It just seemed like the right thing to do to have everything in order mm-hmm. and be able to be comfortable financially. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't dreading the work that I was doing to make money. Yeah. And so right. moving out here, we were on the same page at first. And then when we got here and we started you know, visiting churches, we knew we wanted a church. And we visited Church of the Good Shepherd at that time because some friends actually from Philadelphia had suggested that we visit there when they knew we were moving. Which is now our church, Trinity Reformed Church here. Right. We were immediately just attracted to the people, the love and the fellowship that they had and the care that they, you know, that we felt from quickly, you know, spending time with people and getting involved in small groups and Bible studies and being invited to people's homes for dinner. We just had never experienced, you know, that kind of church community that really cared for people and Mm -hmm. buried each other's burdens and and just loved and showed Christ's love for Mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, well, you know, this is obviously where God wants us. And Tim's preaching was different than what we had been used to, it definitely caused fruit in our lives, you know, really confronted us with things that we had never processed before. Mm-hmm. And at the time he was preaching through Galatians, you know, just seeing Galatians like opened up. Mm-hmm. I had, I didn't mention before that I had never really studied the Bible, you know, growing up in the church, Sunday school, and it just wasn't something that made sense to me. But Galatians, the last couple chapters about resisting your flesh, because when you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. Mm -hmm. And But that was a new thought to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody knows the saying, you reap what you sow. Yeah. But it really, to see it opened up about making provision for our sin and Mm -hmm. our flesh and when we do that, we're not allowing the spirit to do its work. So how did that hit you practically? Like, was there something in your life where you're like, this thing is like, needs to change in my life? Yeah, I think it was it was mostly in our marriage. Um, and another thing I remembered was that the first Bible study that I started going to, you know, it was the first time I was with other grown women sharing prayer requests Mm. and Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. those prayer circles really you know just that that fellowship and spurring one another on 
in godliness and praying for each other. It just yeah. was really, really amazing to yeah, me. And me. so I remember one of the first times I was able to share a prayer request. I was being convicted about the state of our marriage and the way I interacted. And I always punished Phil for not letting me have my way. And I, I knew that I needed to say that I was not submitting to my husband. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of um, talk about biblical marriage here. And I had never heard it taught in a way that was helpful and applicable to like real life. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was telling them that I needed prayer for that because I, but I could not say the word submission. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, my marriage isn't good. And I'm not, I'm not responding to my husband you know, in an appropriate way or something. I don't remember exactly what I said. And they were confused, like kind of trying <laughs> to ask kind of questions. What is marriage? it that she's trying to say yeah. here? And they were probably trying to, you know, see if there was something, you know, that he was abusive or, you know, like, yeah, like how serious right? is this? What's yeah, really going this, on? Yeah. yeah. So they were really like careful and trying to ask questions. And I don't think that I even that night really opened mm-hmm. up that much about, about it because it wasn't all my fault. You know, I just, my whole attitude in life was that, you know, there was, I was justified in feeling the way Mm -hmm. that I (laughs) sinned. And that was, that was okay. It was excusable. Um, So did you get to a point where you could say that or did somebody kind of figure it out and help you get there or? I think, I mean, I think eventually I did. And maybe in my small group talking more about it, we were, those women were helpful to you. and Yeah, figuring, yeah. We got really close with our out. small group. And yeah. yeah, there was a lot of growth there. So Phil's yeah. growing at the same time also. Mm-hmm. And there are men, you know, like coming mm-hmm. alongside him and teaching him and challenging him and things. And he was aware, <laughs> obviously, that our marriage was messed mm-hmm. up. And he um, wasn't happy. We were both miserable, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that. We were friends. And we loved each other, but there, we were making ourselves miserable, you know, when, yeah. when we would have these big, big conflicts. And so I, I started to realize that I had put my foot down about several things. Like I said, we're not going to move to Indiana. And I, I told my grandmother, we're not going to have children in Indiana. We're not going to stay there longer than three years. You know, like I was you had it planned set. <laughs> I had it planned and this is, this is how it was going to be. And God started showing me like all these things that you're saying that you're not going to do. I actually have a different plan for that. (laughs) Never say never. So so we were. Did you say those things to Philip? Or or maybe I probably did, but maybe just in conversation with other people. I think I, (laughs) I'm sure I said it to the bakers because we were in their small group. Like, yeah, we're not going to have kids here. We're Mm. not going to you know, do all these things. And they were like, okay, you know, (laughs) just you wait. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So he started, you know, we started being convicted about, um, our lack of desire to have children anytime soon because of being career motivated. And Mm -hmm. I think that hit him harder first. And he started to tell me every time you say that you don't, want to have kids here it just kills me you know Mm -hmm. like because he was he was just seeing all the 
the potential, you know, the, the ways we were growing and the potential to be able to raise children in this environment. Mm-hmm. He was like, just stop saying that because it's crushing me, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so I was starting to come around, like starting to spend time with families that had children that were a delight to be around, you know. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of astonished, like... <laughs> This can be really pleasant. You were you seeing know? kids in a way you hadn't seen yeah, before. Yeah, <laughs> we were. And, and I think also I was just maturing. At this point, I was mm-hmm. like 26. And I I think I'm, I am a slow learner. And But I was, I thought I was a mature person. But I was, God was maturing us and in our marriage and in our faith. And so I was realizing like I need to desire children that sounds bad i (laughs) well it's Um, a good and a godly desire right yeah i realized i think that it was more than than just the worldly desire like actually god wants us to bear fruit in Mm. in having children Mm. and being fruitful in that way and so i think that was along the lines Mm. of being convicted about my selfishness Mm. and my contentment and my humility and there's so many things. I was just so selfish and realizing that that was part of it is a desire to have children mm-hmm. and that that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I remember the day that um, we were, so Phil was ahead of me in this desire and we were going to small group and we pull in the driveway at small group and he's just like really feeling convicted about our attitude towards children and Mm. I had been on the birth control pill and he was like, I want you to stop taking the birth control pill now. It wasn't the first time that we brought it up. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, you know, we just, we talk a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I I probably talk a lot more than the average wife. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think, and because we, we practically grew up together, you know, knowing each other from teenagers and we just, our good friends and talk about a lot of things. And so we had already talked about it and I knew that it was coming, but the fact that he was like, today, you're going to stop this. (laughs) And so of course I start crying and, you know, like we're late for small group and we go in and I'm obviously crying. And were you mad? I don't think I was mad. Yeah. I don't think so. I was just, Emotional because I knew it was the right thing, but it was so scary. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was not what I thought I wanted. It wasn't what or what I had in the past thought I wanted. And it wasn't. It wasn't aligning with your plan. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't a part of the plan that I thought was best. Mm-hmm. And But I knew that it was a good thing. And yeah. so I was like, you know, the biggest step to enter into these new waters, you know. Once, you know, we accepted that and we're like. I mean, we were praying about it and like, we know this is right, but we don't know what it's going to look like, mm-hmm. you know, because at this point he was probably in his second year, maybe it was still his first year of grad school here. And I wanted to be able to stay home once we had kids and he wasn't making a lot of money in his assistantship, you know, at IU. And so we just, we're going to, we're going to try this faith thing out, you know, <laughs> It's hard. It's very <laughs> hard. hard. Yeah. And scary. And scary. That's yeah. <laughs> so another area that I was really 
controlling over were our finances because I was working full time and was I felt like I had to claim over a lot of the money or, you know, I had to we had to agree about how our money was spent and because I was making the most Mm -hmm. of it. And when Phil started doing music with Jody and the band and they started writing music and wanting to record, he wanted to buy this piece of recording equipment and he went and it was a big expense and he just bought it with our money and he didn't tell me he was going to and but he wasn't hiding it from me it was just one of those things that he was you know he was gonna practice his leadership and Mm -hmm. and do that and I got so mad at him but this was at to that point in our marriage in our relationship I had never been this mad at him and I got mad a lot you know (laughs) And I was so mad at him. And this, you know, was our biggest fight where Mm -hmm. I was making him feel so bad that he had done that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was Mm -hmm. kind of that was how I operated. Like you upset me and, you know, you need to feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. And so he was questioning, you know, maybe that was the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was like something he was trying to practice his leadership and so he was like, what have I done? And mm. I was so mad at him. I couldn't even be in the same room. I was just like, <laughs> I say I got angry a lot, but I was, I wasn't like a a screamer. We're not screamers or like slammers or, you know, I guess like, I'm, I guess I'm a crier when I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not even like a freezing out or wouldn't talk for a well, that so, that would come. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little, a little Some bit of that. Of that. Too. Yeah. 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 It was just more almost just emotional manipulation. Yeah. yeah. So usually we would, you know, go and do our separate things and process, you know, after we would fight. And then eventually either we would just kind of, it would blow over or, you know, that was how our fights sometimes went. Or sometimes we would sit down and talk about it and like... But there wasn't a whole lot of apologizing um, on my part ever. But this time I was, I went and I took a shower and I was trying to process like, I know I'm, I shouldn't be loving money and I shouldn't be treating my husband like this. And what, you know, it's just money. Like, why is, why am I so upset? And like, I just felt like the Lord starting to work in my heart and I, was realizing how much I was loving that money and holding on to that, you know, that control of it. Mm-hmm. And Psalm 51 started, you know, going in my mind. I always loved that song, Created Me a Clean Heart, as a mm-hmm. child. We mm-hmm. always sang it. And and it really started to, you know, started to make sense to me. And, uh, and I was f- applying it. I had something to apply it to. Like, I was, I was being very wicked and unloving towards my husband and I need God to clean my heart mm-hmm. and renew a steadfast spirit in me. And well, so that's even about the love of money so much as about just fighting against his leadership and yeah, at not the time control in the relationship. Right. Or, I think it was control. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much about the love of money, but the control. And I, yeah, I guess it was convicted about the, submission to so how did it so then I was just I was completely humbled Mm. and I was like I need to confess 
to Philip and Mm -hmm. ask him to forgive me. And I went in and um, he was laying down and, you know, he was really upset. And I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm not following God. I am not loving you. I'm loving my money and Mm. asked him to forgive me. And he was just like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I had never, ever behaved Mm. like that. (laughs) And so that in a way was a turning point for us to like, just feel, you know, God giving us this faith to trust him and forgive each other and not, you know, just not have to battle it out. And yeah, it was, it was very a sweet time. And I also saw the, the benefit of him buying that for mm. the music that they were doing. And the music has, you know, over the years has become such a blessing mm-hmm. and has, has just brought so much fruit yeah, through yes. ways that we, you know, never expected. And right. it's been, it's been really wonderful. Yeah. So you obviously mentioned Philip working with Jody and the band. So for our listeners who don't know all the history or don't know our church, just to f- to fill out this your story here. Yeah. Obviously God led you guys to stay in Indiana and have greater involvement in the church. Yeah, we we started to realize once we started getting things in better order with our marriage like, oh, God didn't bring us here for IU. Mm. He brought us here to grow our faith and bring us into this church and just grow us here. And yeah. so yeah. let me backtrack okay. for something else yeah, too. Yeah. So once we were, you know, we thought we were ready to have children, you know, we think like, okay, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we're just praying about it and thinking about it. And, and then it becomes a new idol for us because mm-hmm my body was not cooperating. I wasn't getting pregnant and it ended up being a year and a half Mm -hmm. after I stopped taking birth control until I got pregnant with Levi. And, you know, going through that month after month, I was just Mm -hmm. like starting to grow bitter about Mm it. It was more plans you had that weren't going your way. Right. Yeah. I thought, okay, Lord, this is obviously this the is best you thing want. that you want for us. And so we're ready. Right. And God was like, no, you're not in control. Yeah. And you're going to wait on me. And so my contentment was stretched there mm-hmm. because I that's what I wanted then. you know. And I started being less satisfied with my job. And actually, my job situation out here was not what I thought it would be either. And so I had three jobs within the first the first year of living here and Indiana is just not as progressive in veterinary medicine the way it was where I came from. Mm. And I was disappointed in that. And I felt like, okay, I can, I can help make a difference here Mm. in my workplaces and they were not ready for it. Mm. (laughs) And so there's a struggle with that, my contentment and with just my submission to my bosses and my attitudes at work and how I was being a Christian witness or not there. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, I I was convicted about the verse, in, is it First Peter, I think, about slaves submitting to their masters and honoring them because this honors the yeah. Lord, even the yeah. wicked ones, you know. And my yeah. bosses weren't wicked, but they just didn't, you know, live up to my expectations. And I was like, whoa, 
you know, I am really disgracing God by Mm -hmm. my attitude towards my employer. And even just the way I talk about them, like I wouldn't, I don't think I was outright rude to them usually, but even my attitude with the coworkers complaining and gossiping about all kinds of things, it definitely became an area that I realized I was sinning. Mm -hmm. But that ended up being a gift, you know, to pull my heart away from that idol of my job and being, you know, gaining success in in my career. Mm -hmm. And I also was being mentored by Sebra around this time. And Sebra Baker. Sebra Baker, yeah. Mm -hmm. One day we were talking and I was anticipating an interaction with someone and I felt justified in my my annoyance with this person and the way I responded. And she, you know, I I expected her to be sympathetic, you know, and I'm, t- I'm <laughs> complaining about the situation. And she was just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you cannot feel this way. You can't act like that. Mm. And I had never had anyone tell me that, you know, mm. she's like, you're not loving that person and you need to change this. And I was just like, whoa, nobody had ever (laughs) talked to me like that before. And it was so helpful. Like, this is not honoring to God. And you are a Christian and you need to change this and you need to repent of that. And the thing that also just so encouraging to me when I I think about like all these things I was convicted about and Mm -hmm. all the ways that my life was out of line with God's word, but being convicted is good. And wanting to change is good, but I, I saw time and time again that I couldn't do it mm-hmm. on my own. You know, like I don't have the strength yes. to obey right. and be godly. And just realizing God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. And this is why Christ died. This is why he sent his son and why he gave us his Holy Spirit to enable us and strengthen us. And yeah. I think Pastor Max said at one point, you can ask for the Holy Spirit to help you. This is a good thing to do, and this is a reasonable thing to do. But you don't think of doing that. I don't know. You mm-hmm. or I, I didn't at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, you know, like think to ask God to give me the Holy Spirit. Yeah, f- you know, for this or that. And yeah, well, it kind of goes along with the attitude you had had for mm-hmm. so long. Of this is what I want. I'm kind right. of in control. Right. This whole progression of God softening your heart. And then this, right. the same thing of recognizing, okay, yeah, even now that I have, I'm gaining more of God's desires and wanting to do his will and live mm-hmm. for him, mm-hmm. even that I have to submit to him and receive his help in right. in that. Right. <laughs> yeah. We obviously were, were just growing a lot in a lot of different areas. And I think at the same time, Phil was kind of feeling conflicted about his career path. And God was working on his heart and showing him there's so much worthy work for you in the church and Mm -hmm. helping church music for people to worship from and be strengthened by. And yeah, that's that's a lot of his story with working with Jody and everything. But he started feeling called to the pastor's college that we had here. He was just starting to feel pulled away from pursuing a career in music excellence mm-hmm. to ministry and serving serving God and serving the people. And so I I don't remember ever feeling disappointed, you know, that we changed. I think God was gracious to us in kind of bringing us together 
on that. Mm-hmm. By the know? time you got to that point, yeah, God had done so much work in your lives. You were, yeah, you were ready. Um, so had that been about three years by that point? Then that you guys were in it, Indiana. I then? think it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, okay, it was. Which was your your that uh, was my plan to be out by then. (laughs) (laughs) The house has to get back on the market, and we're we're gonna head out. So yeah, we both or he he graduated, and Levi was born like the next month, and (laughs) it was all kind of you know happening. And we were excited about having a family then, and and you were excited about staying. I was excited about staying because I wanted to learn how to yeah. raise children in a healthy church and teach them the things of the Lord. And yeah. at this point, I stopped working because Levi was born and Phil graduated and had no income from IU at that point. But we didn't know how he was going to make money mm. right then. And he was like, we'll figure something out. You know, he didn't have anything set up yet. So that was one, and one that of was big steps of faith that was another step that was a big step of faith then because money had been very a very big concern in our lives and so god provided through work well so okay so he was in going to pastor's college then which is right two or three three years so god continued to provide work while he went through pastor's college then he graduated from pastor's college we had another son by the time we graduated from pastor's college Adjusting to motherhood was interesting. You know, you think, oh, we'll just do what makes sense and what feels right, you know, and that was startling kind of having to take care of your own baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds bad, but Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I hadn't really been around kids that I enjoyed very much Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to take care of a baby and or multiple children. And I was... I was startled at points by my anger towards them and my sin towards them. It brought out new things that I had never thought about. Yeah, new levels of selfishness. Mm -hmm. So that was that was another area that I could see. You know that I needed to rely on God for. I just remember when one of them was a baby, and like just their crying Mm -hmm. made me angry. I think that's actually pretty common. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I never heard these things. Moms share things like yeah. that. Yeah, and 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 f- also being in a community where I felt like I could, you know, ask women about this and and be encouraged mm-hmm. and be be um, instructed, you know, on how to deal with these things. Yeah, and not not act out in ways that I shouldn't. And right. there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of different ways God provided. He provided a night. Right. Yeah. You had had so many sort of expectations of how you wanted things to go and plans for your life. Mm-hmm. And time after time, God was just saying, nope, not that. Nope, not that. Right, right. I'm in control of this. I'm in control of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and through all of that, God just showing you, yeah, okay, I need to trust God. You know, also God just shifting your hearts right. to him from yeah. plans for your lives and your future that were for you guys to wanting to serve God and serve the church. I remember Mary Lee saying one time how you can't just say, well, I don't have a gentle and quiet spirit, which is pleasing (laughs) to the Lord. And it's just how I am. And I have always been tempted to blame. I wasn't taught to be this way or, you know, this is the way I am Mm because nobody taught me better. And that, you know, hit me like, no, God 
tells us to be this way and he mm. will equip us to do mm. that. And we can't just say, sorry, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not this way. Yeah. God knows mm. that we're not able to do that on our own. And he gives us what we need. It's just comforting, you know, to know, like, he gives us everything that we need. He expects us to glorify him. And he gives us what we need to do that. It's not something that we're supposed to be able to muster up on our mm. on our own. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't expect us to, and we can't. <laughs> so it's perfect because yeah. he, he has given us what we need. This episode of Monumental was hosted by Katie Walker and Katie Crum. It is produced and edited by Katie Walker, and it is executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jake Menzel. If you like the show, please don't forget to rate and review in the app of your choice. And if you're interested in more great content, including articles and other podcasts, please visit warhornmedia.com.